Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Saturday, December the 19th, 2020. On this episode of The Politocrat, manufacturing consent, the media, pundits, and the revolving door of those on the television, your television, into government positions. The most recent example of this is the appointees in Biden's transition team for the Biden administration. I'll explain more about this in just a moment. Welcome back. So I came to this subject matter because I just noticed something that I don't know if you've noticed it, but I certainly have. I can't imagine that you have not noticed it. This, what I call manufactured consent, there was a book written with that very title, actually, back in 1988. Edward Herman and Noam Chomsky, Chomsky being the linguist from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. And he has been on many, many, many broadcasts over the years, particularly on independent news media, progressive news media. But, and he has lectured for years as well. And manufacturing or manufactured consent, I think it's called manufacturing consent. And the book talks about the media and its role in what I call softening you, softening you as the general public, grooming. I hate the word grooming because it's just an awful word and it's misused because, you know, as grooming is used in the United States, and in the UK and other places, it means something really different and really grotesque and evil. So I will use the word softening. That the corporate news media softens you up with the repeated types of things that you see on television. Whether it's certain pundits that you like or don't like. Whether it is uh, people in the military who are giving their analysis as so-called military consultants or military contributors whom themselves were actually in government. And this is really, this has come to me because not only because of that book and because of what I'm going to explain here, but there was an, also an article in the New York Times dated April the 20th, 2008. The article was called, is called, Message Machine, Behind TV Analysts, Pentagon's Hidden Hand. It's by David Barstow, and it's from April the 20th, 2008. As I have indicated here, the media does play um, a particular role, I think, of softening up the viewer, you and me, who are watching, if we are watching. And this article by David Barstow was an extensive one. And it talked about 
military people, retired military people being analysts on television during the invasion of a country that did not pose any threat whatsoever to the United States, that country being Iraq. And so this article goes into, and I'm going to link to it to this episode in the liner notes of this episode. The, the article goes into a number of former military people in the United States government who were talking about the Iraq war or the invasion of Iraq. And, you know, they used to be in the Pentagon, but now they are on TV talking about this invasion and how's it going and it was you know tantamount to a cheerleading squad did you remember do you remember that cast your minds back roughly 17 years ago now 17 and a half years ago and what is really i think abhorrent about this is that it's not just that they're cheerleading it's that they're also quite frankly and i don't Remember that the article talked about this at the time. I have to go reread it. It's been a long time since I read that article. But they're also connected to defense contractors. They're also connected to that. And with the corporate news media being as it is, these defense contractors also most likely will see their stocks going up based on what is being said on these networks. I think that's a hidden thing that needs to be looked at. And one thing the article, I think, did talk about were conflicts of interest. And certainly, I would think that conflicts of interest would certainly be at issue here. People who were formerly in the U.S. military as commanders, generals, now having been retired get on television, you know, they're literally months or a few years removed. And now they're on television, influencing public opinion with, quite frankly, a propagandistic take on the Iraq war, for example. And the ethics aren't there. The conflicts of interest are. And so when you are not being required to disclose the kinds of financial interests you may have, as a former military general that you may be tied to defense contractors and those defense contractors may may actually be advertising on the air of, say, MSNBC or CNN or Fox, then it's troubling and troublesome. And there should be a disclosure of their conflicts of interest. I think all of these generals and ex-generals, rather, who come on as military analysts should be required to disclose their conflicts of interest and their financial interests and what, what that is. Because if you've got someone on television who is on the board of Raytheon, for example, Raytheon is a big, I believe, weapons uh, manufacturer or whatever they do, but they're in the defense industry. In other words, the military, they um, provide machinery and, and things like that, I think. You've got Norfolk Grumman, you've got Lockheed Martin, the biggest um, military manufacturer in the United States. 
I think they have their headquarters or some of their major weapons and munitions making headquarters in Colorado somewhere, not far from Littleton. I think this is also something that was pointed out in Michael Moore's documentary Fahrenheit 9-11 back in 2004. When he was talking about, excuse me, it wasn't Fahrenheit 9-11, it was Bowling for Columbine in 2002. When he was talking about why is it that we have so much gun violence in the United States. And then he does a segment on the weapons industry in the U.S. and the largest, you know, bomb making and weapons making, you know, outfit is Lockheed Martin. In Colorado, like just literally minutes away from where Columbine High School is. But this is the thing. This is something that is disconcerting, at least to me. And I know I'm not the only one who has probably voiced that. Um, But it is a concern. It's a concern. And this has been going on for a number of years. So in the military, you know, it's this whole military industrial complex that, you know, that uh, President Eisenhower warned us of in his outgoing, you know, his farewell address in 1961, where he talked about that. And you heard that message earlier on in this episode. You know, this is something that I think people have laughed in the face of Eisenhower about. Eisenhower was a general in the, in the, uh, U.S. military. So he would know better than most about being wary and being careful about the military industrial complex and the glow, the growing, not glowing, the growing influence of it, uh, not just in policy, but in the way it's reflected in the media through advertising, through having military analysts be on television as paid consultants or paid, I should say, contributors. So that's, you know, that's an arm of propaganda. I don't think that people who think seriously and critically can possibly deny that. But what I think is I think is important is that there is no education of the public around these things about who these folks are connected to, what their financial interests are. I do think that we need to be more literate like that. I think that there is an onus on these networks to do this. Now, they do do things like full disclosure. The host might, well, Chris Matthews didn't when his wife was getting money from me. Clinton-backed um, pack when she was running, uh, when Chris Matthews' wife, and I forget, I believe it's Kathleen, um, Kathleen Matthews was running for Congress in, uh, in Maryland back in 2016. And Chris Matthews had an 11 and a half minute or so interview with Hillary Clinton, who was then running for president in 2016. And not once did he mention that, full disclosure, my wife, Kathleen Matthews, right, is... Um, 
running her political campaign in Maryland uh, and being financed by a Clinton-related uh, PAC, Political Action Committee. And he never did that. And that was widely excoriated, particularly by writers like Charles Pierce, Charlie Pierce of Esquire, who did a, a scathing, and rightly so, by the way, uh, assessment of Chris Matthews and journalistic media malpractice, which is what I think still largely goes on in the media. There's a great deal of that, particularly in the corporate news media. And it's very dispiriting um, because this whole notion of why you go to journalism school, it just kind of just explodes uh, politely in your face. Is there such a thing as a polite explosion? I suppose there could be in some circles, but in some circumstances. But not when it comes to information and the kinds of places information is coming from. And when people say consider the source, considering the source is definitely something that I think we need to do more, to be more media literate. And these networks need to also make it clear to the viewers watching, the millions who do watch, particularly when there are big crises, like what we have now with this pandemic, like what we have with the economy, that the people who come on don't have some kind of interest that we at least are unaware of. And I think that whenever there are announcements, and I'm going to get to this in the next section, whenever there are announcements of people being uh, put on boards or put on cabinets of, of people's administrations, I think what is necessary is that there be a full disclosure of their interests so that the viewer knows, oh, that person's tied in with a board at Raytheon. Oh, that person's got some kind of uh, obligation with Lockheed Martin. Oh, that person's campaign contributor was Goldman Sachs. I mean, for all the very frivolous and foolish things that we get told in the corporate news media and the really mind-numbing, uh, non-thinking types of stories we get, really trivial BS that we are often fed in the corporate news media, for all of that, I think we should at least be told who is who and what they represent. Not just the position that they are in, but what they represent. Meaning, who are their donors? Who are their connections? So that viewers can really see the full picture of that. I'm going to talk a bit more about that in just a moment. You see all of these people on television. If you watch CNN regularly or MSNBC, and I must say, I've taken a near week and a half vacation um, from watching this stuff and I probably won't start watching it again until sometime in January when we get back to 
when we get toward the end, the very end of this uh, fascistic uh, regime. I mean, this is a fascist country, um, but uh, this regime is fascist to the hilt, and we've we've seen it in full full thro- in full throttle. We really have. Um, I look forward to turning the ca- the calendar to twenty twenty one. The vaccine situations, all of this, uh, the new administration coming in. Will the media behave itself though? Will they stop talking about Trump and these cult members? Or are they going to continue to follow him around? And you know what the answer to that's going to be. But you've seen all of these people on television. You've seen Jen Psaki on television on CNN. You've seen Jennifer Granholm on television on CNN. You've seen Ron Klain on television on MSNBC. You've seen Corrine Jean-Pierre on television on MSNBC. You've seen, and I can go down the list. You've seen Dr. Rochelle Walensky on television on CNN. You've seen Vivek Murphy, Dr. Vivek Murphy on television on MSNBC. I can go on and on and on and on. And now all of the individuals that you just heard me mention are all in Joe Biden's cabinet or in his administration. Now, I don't have any quarrel with each of those individuals being in the administration. What my issue is, is that the media manufactures this kind of this consent and softening by the, you know, and in my way of thinking about this, it's this familiarity of faces. They are brought into your living rooms on a near daily basis, right? Just like what happened during the 2020 Democratic primaries. You saw the same five people, and I get it, they're all running for president. But you had Amy Klobuchar on every night on MSNBC. You had uh, Senator, Senator Klobuchar. You had Senator Warren, Elizabeth Warren, on television every night on MSNBC, I mean, they were like contributors as they were campaigning. Speaking of me talking about the military earlier and these military analysts who appear on CNN, they're so-called retired analysts, but retired military, but they're on CNN every second. But in this instance, you have this, these candidates on in real time being constantly spoken about and spoken to as if they had, they had a little guest segment on a show. And look, you're going to interview candidates. That's not my quarrel at all. It's that they were on so often. And there wasn't any background about, okay, what's this? What's that? What's the other? In terms of what they're, whose financial interests they are aligned with and which companies. And I think if the media were not broken up the way it was and deregulated, thanks to Bill Clinton in 1996 with the Telecommunications Act, I think we would have much more oversight on this. We would know more about this and we wouldn't have politicians on every two seconds. Honestly, and and, and the Reagan Fairness Doctrine in 87, which was scrapped through the FCC, we wouldn't have all this what we have now. And that's the thing that gets me is that 
the world has closed very much and the, the, the media world has closed so much around essentially 40 people. 40 people who you see every day on television if you're watching CNN, MSNBC, or, or Fox. And I'm not even going to go... Because look, Donald Trump picked all of his cabinet basically from Fox, or at least a good many of them. I mean, he's picking uh, Scott Atlas to be his point person. And this guy quit a few weeks ago in disgrace. I mean, he, he oh, that's a good person. Let me pick him. Oh, he, he's talking conspiracy garbage. He'll be a good person to represent us. And, and they put him on as the, uh, whoever, the, whatever he is. He's a radiologist. He's not someone with experience in infectious diseases. Both of these parties do this. I hate that both sides thing. But the fact is that in this case, again, it applies. You've got Donald Trump picking people from who he sees on Fox, and you've perhaps got Joe Biden doing the very same thing, or at least his team doing the same thing. I mean, all of these people have been seen widely on corporate news media. CNN, MSNBC, Jen Psaki. As I said, uh, Ron Klain had been on virtually every night on MSNBC. Rochelle Walensky, the doctor. And again, I am not saying that these people are not qualified. And I'm not saying that they're not going to do an excellent job. But I do think also there should be some disclosures about Ron Klain being a lobbyist. Is a, is, a, is, the, is a lobbyist an evil thing to be? No. It just depends on what they're lobbying for. <laughs> Quite frankly, that's really um, the way I look at this. But I do think that there has to be questions raised. And I think, I guess that's where the confirmation hearings come in for all of these appointed positions, cabinet positions. The question is, will they come up? Because quite frankly, most people in this country will not sit down in front of C-SPAN and decide to watch for three hours as Senators grill a nominee for one of the cabinet positions that Joe Biden has appointed them for or picked them for. I don't think that's going to happen. So at some point, you have to ask, where are the disclosures? Aren't we being softened and groomed? Oh, that word. Aren't we being softened? By familiarity. And this is not a familiarity breeds contempt scenario. This is, are we not on a daily basis intrinsically being softened, softened, softened to accept, you know, this manufacturing of consent where you have these same people on your airwaves, on your TVs every day. And so when they're put in government, it's like, oh, wow, the person I saw on TV five minutes ago is now in Biden's cabinet. Woo-hoo-hoo. Is, is, that, is that what goes on subliminally for us, for, for some of us, for you, for me? Is that what we're feeling? Is that what someone, is that what you feel when you know that Ron Klain is, and Ron Klain is a decent person as far as I know. Look, I don't know 
the ins and outs of his lobbying. Um, someone with a lot more insight and, you know, knows about that. And perhaps it's not the holiest thing. It's probably very unholy. But from a qualification standpoint, Ron Klain definitely uh, is going to be very good. He's had lots of experience. My only thing is, yes, he does have lots of experience, but aren't there others that you could pick who do? I mean, of course. But of course, when you are coming into an administration, you're going to go with the people that you know, who you've had a long working relationship with. Few people, sadly, are going to take the bold steps to go new and go there. I mean, Joe Biden has done that with some of these picks. There's no doubt. Um, the lady who is, um, uh, gosh, I forget her name now, Brenda, so on, somebody, darn it. My memory, not good. It's getting worse as I get older. Um, but there was a black woman who was named, I forget her last name, but Brenda was definitely her first name. And she's in a really good position uh, as an appointee. You know, there are, I think there's more women than men in this administration so far in these positions. But it's just those top positions I had a problem with. But my whole point is, is that, is it that this world that we're living in media-wise is very small? Or is it the way that the media has these people come on the air like a Ron Klain or a Vivek Murthy, who is now um, the Surgeon General, I believe. Is he the Surgeon General? Or is he the... Oh, gosh, I forget now. Surgeon General, yeah. It, it, Vivek, who was the Surgeon General before in Obama's administration? So why bring back this guy? Obviously, the easy answer from this rhetorical question is, well, you know, he's very good. He was excellent. But then I'm thinking, look at all the look at all the other people out here who could have had that job. You know, but anyway, I don't want to sound like I'm being a sour grapes man. Sour grapes man. I I don't want to sound like that. I really don't. But I do want to just try to put this idea out there that there is a manufacturing consent. There's a manufactured consent. Because of this familiarity, this repeated uh, airing of these individuals on the air, how often did we see Dr. Rochelle Walensky? And she's very qualified. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for her. That's not the point. My, my point is not that these people shouldn't be in these positions. My point is... It's the way they got there, not their fault, but the way the media has groomed this operation. Ah, I can't help that. I keep saying that word. <laughs> I've got to stop. The way the media has carefully softened us. And it really makes me think that the media is working in tandem in some ways with the Biden folks, just like the media worked in some ways with Trump's folks or with whomever before that. There's this, because of this deregulation that has gone on over these last decades, where 97, 98% of everything you see, read, or hear is controlled by one of five companies. Why would it be difficult to think that there's some kind of synergy going on between media and government? Why would that not be the... I mean, there, in a way, there always has been. 
And never mind the adversarial relationships that might go on in the White House press briefing room. That's something that always is going to happen. But I'm talking about on a deeper subterranean level than that. Where you've got people who are running these corporate networks because it's corporate media and the, the financial profit model is the thing, you know, to the extent that news is profitable at all. It's profitable through the advertising revenue that's generated. And so if the advertisers are controlling the show, controlling the game, you are not going to have very many progressive voices because the advertising, if it is especially defense contractor oriented, the advertiser is having a say in the very kind of content, really, that is going to be aired on these networks. You're not going to talk about the war machine when you've got General Electric or Raytheon or Lockheed Martin sponsoring your Sunday show. You're not going to talk about profiteering of the war machine. You're not going to talk about the military industrial complex when you've got Archer Daniel Midlands or, you know, again, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin sponsoring your program, Meet the Press. You're just not going to have those things happen. So that's the thing. And I think that this, when you've got this softening going on, I think that's the issue, isn't it? Isn't that the issue? Isn't that the issue? It's as if there's this rotating... I mean, I think there is there's this rotating pipeline. You know, it's been happening for years. Former Obama administration official, former Obama administration official so-and-so is with us now to talk. And then two weeks later, oh, they've been hired by the Biden team. <laughs> it's this pipeline, it's this revolving door, right? This rotunda, this ro revolving door, this atrium that, that spins around and around this revolving door. You're in in the government position, then you're out in the media. You're out from the media position, then you're in government. Back and forth, back and forth, in, out, in, out, shake it all about, do the hokey cokey, and you turn around. That's what it's all about. That is what is going on. And there's something really I find disturbing about that. And I know it's gone on for a while. But there's something disturbing about that. That the mechanism of that is, here are your leaders coming up in the next few months. And they have them on every moment, every day as the same 10 people. And then half of them, if not 80% of them, oh, they've been all hired by Joe Biden. It's like you're auditioning them for these jobs and you're auditioning them for these government jobs in full view of the public by having them on every day as contributors, as commentators. They're shaping your view. They're softening you. And it's literally a job interview being done every time these individuals come on the air. I mean, that's the way I look at it. I mean, you've even heard people say this about Trump, who got picked. Well, I knew if I could go on this show. Happened with Matthew Whitaker. Remember Matthew Whitaker when he was the 
acting attorney general for all the five minutes and 20 seconds. And Donald Trump picked him on the basis of what he saw of him on CNN and on Fox. Oh, that's a good idea. I'll pick him. And I think it was Matt Whitaker or some other people who said, I know that if I get on TV, that there's a chance that Donald Trump will, will pick me. That's what happened. It happened. I mean, there was a story, if you watch Alex Gibney's Totally Under Control, which Alex Gibney and I spoke about, I think last week, when he was on this episode, on this podcast, there's a moment in, in that documentary that he did where you have a guy from Westchester or somewhere else or wherever, uh, somewhere on, it could have been Long Island in New York, and this guy wrote a letter or social media video and wrote a letter or whatever, post on Facebook, and Trump people contacted him. And then Donald Trump mentions him. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. And so that's what happens. And so that is what happens when you have a situation like this. And what what gets me is that this is happening now. Vivek Murphy and Rochelle Walensky and all these people, Pete Buttigieg, all these people, they're all now in the government or going to be. And I wish them all well. I Again, this is not about them personally, but it's about the way the media aligns our consent and, and foments it and foments it or foments it by having these individuals on. And again, that's not to say that they're not worthy of being on television. That's not what I'm saying. These people are super talented and bright people. I'm not discounting any of that. But what I am saying is that we are being massaged mentally. We are being mentally massaged. And you may think that's an okay thing. You may not have a problem with that. You may think, ah, 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 come on. Omar, you, you're just going, that's harmless. This happens all the time. Don't, come on. How else are they going to get these jobs? It wasn't always like this, by the way. But it's become, with the deregulation of the news media, it's become much more pronounced and obvious. And I go back to that article from the New York Times by David Barstow, April the 20th, 2008. About agendas being run through the media. And that's not an, a, new th- a new thing. It's been going on for a long time now. But since the deregulation, that's you know, Bill, the Bill Clinton deregulation and before that, the fairness doctrine being scrapped. That is what we've got. The same 15 people on the networks. And that's not good. I do not think that's good for democracy either, by the way. I don't think that's good for you or me or anybody. And that does raise concerns. We're being pushed with these individuals. And again, like I said, they may be good people. They may not be good people. They may be talented. They may not be. But the point is, is that the media is pushing these individuals And not only are they doing that, they're excluding any kind of coverage on a whole lot of other individuals, such as progressives, such as people who 
I think, do good government jobs and diligence without ever getting any kind of FaceTime. Not that they want the FaceTime on television. Maybe they would love it because then it exposes their brand. It builds up social media followers, all of this. But it is a particular type of group of people that continue to be put on television. And you have to ask yourself, at the very least, who are the people who are talking to me? And the companies that they belong to, or they are CEOs of, what do those companies do? What is their agenda? Now, I get it. The average person is not going to have the time, perhaps, to even entertain that, let alone do digging into it. But it is useful in this world that is constantly changing around us and constantly getting smaller and smaller and smaller to look at these things. Don't you think there is something a little unseemly about having the people that you see on TV every day now suddenly be in government like that? After seeing them for, I mean, all of them, like nearly all of these people. Again, I'm not objecting to the people. I'm objecting to the process. It's not the, look, it's the don't hate the player, hate the game kind of thing. Although that kind of reference is... (laughs) Yes, you should hate the player and the game when it comes to other issues. Maybe this is one of them, but I don't hate any of these so-called players in terms of when it comes to these jobs. These individuals are going to do, I think, excellent jobs. But the question is, the financial interests that they may have, the corporate interests that they may have, are those going to be disclosed? Or do we have to leave it to publications like Common Dreams, like In These Times, like democracynow.org to give us the information? Do we have to go, do we have to do that? Because I dare say, and I submit to you, any ethics rules about disclosing things it's gone out the window, hasn't it? The article from 2008 by David Bosto. I mean, this is something that is important because it helps us to understand as well what and how the Biden-Harris administration is going to govern. There are de- certainly more urgent things, definitely more urgent things that we will have to look at. The coronavirus is top of mind. The economy is top of mind. Getting stimulus relief and uh, getting the American public going again is top of mind. But just like the dirtiness of David Perdue, the dirtiness of Kelly Leffler, these two Republican senators, who have enriched themselves, the dirtiness of people like Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and others in the billionaire class who have made billions and billions of dollars off this pandemic while people are starving and dying. 300 and what, 6,000 plus now in the US and what, nearly 2 million people worldwide. That's disgusting, isn't it? 
Why aren't these billionaires volunteering to give money to people? You know, why does it have to be a group of moderate, uh, moderate, conservative, liberal, uh, progressive? Why does it have to be these moderates? Why can't these billionaires give some of their money away? I mean, the Trump tax cuts have served them well. And of course, the billionaire class, they don't contribute to the economy. They save their money. They conserve it. Why don't they give away some money for Christmas? Maybe some of them are. I know that, I believe it's Mackenzie Scott um, or whomever. She's a billionaire. She gave away a lot of money and good for her. This week, she gave away a, a couple of billion dollars, I think, or something more than that. Maybe $4 billion or $1 billion, $1.6. I forget the exact number. So great. I think more people need to be like her, you know, who are in that billionaire class. Give your money away to people. And for, for good causes, give your money away. You don't need that. Especially if you're a super well, you don't need all that money. Give some of that away to people who need it. And Mackenzie Scott, I believe is her name. She did that. And forgive me, I hope I'm getting your name right, Mackenzie. I hope you I hope you got I hope I got your name right. I really do. But she's giving away billions, millions and billions of dollars. And there's no reason why um, all these other folks and maybe they are doing it behind the scenes. Maybe they're not. So some people don't like to get the publicity. But I think that should be done. People should be giving away their money if they can. If they've got that kind of wealth and largesse, they should. But my whole thing is the media is manufacturing our consent. With all of these individuals. Yet never really examining what their backgrounds are, what their financial ties are, what their defense contractors are, corporate interests are. Never. So we don't have a complete picture of that. And then you wonder why some decision gets made. And I don't think that's good for us. If we want a free and fair press, if we want free and fair elections so that the informed citizenry can make decisions about whom it wishes to choose for president, for senator, for dog catcher. There should be financial disclosures and uh, corporate disclosure. I mean, don't you want your dog catcher to disclose her interests, their interests, his interests? Now, of course, I say that somewhat facetiously, but there's something to be said for having people in power let you know who they're aligned with. Isn't there? And the media should certainly be making that clear instead of massaging us in this fashion fashion, and telling us that we are going to have these people in government. Do you think that should be the way we pick cabinet members? Having them on as pundits on CNN and MSNBC every other day, every two minutes, five times a day, every show? Is that how we should do that? Or should it be a bit more clandestine than that? I'll report and I guess you will decide.
Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. <laughs>